Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.06 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 14th of December, 2020, and it is episode 339 of Bitcoin and Ali Tahini joins me today for the interview. Uh, he is one of the co-owners, co-founders of uh, Tahini's Restaurants up in Canada. And we, uh, so we, had a, we had a nice chat about the use and or non-use of Bitcoin in the retail environment and his concerns about the use of Lightning Network in a retail you know, environment or, and or Bitcoin. And he pretty staunchly just thinks that Bitcoin, as it stands right now, is simply a savings technology. So you may completely disagree with some of the things that we talk about, but you got to remember, man, these these are these are the people that, you know, if we're if we want adoption in retail, you know, if we want vendor adoption, if we want a circular economy, then we got to get past the very valid concerns that the people that we want to be using Bitcoin, <laughs> uh, we got to get past those concerns and we have, we have to address those concerns. They are valid concerns. <clears throat> and it, regardless, we have a pretty good discussion about all things uh, that have to do with, you know, real tahinis, opening a restaurant, you know, what, what that kind of means, how to open, you know, like uh, under what circumstances he was able to open up more, the time frame. We kind of get into, you know, quite a bit of it. And it was one of my more, you know, one of the most more enjoyable uh, interviews that I've given is, you know, really, really chock full of all kinds of neat stuff. And Ollie was really gracious with his time. I really appreciate that. But before we do that, if you want to support the show, go listen to it on Sphinx Chat. Go get Sphinx.chat or go to Sphinx.chat. Grab the uh, app. <clears throat> grab a lightning note or, or if you feel daring, you can hook up uh, Sphinx.chat, the application to your own lightning node. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a little, it's a little involved. There's some JSON work that needs to be done. Uh, so, but like I said, if you're daring, yeah, it's probably be a good exercise. Uh, or you can just rent one from uh, Sphinx.chat. If they have any, those uh, lightning nodes that they spin up go pretty fast. Uh, so, you know, be aware. But you can rent one for like, I think I rented mine for 79 cents for the month. Um, and then hook it up to your Sphinx chat. Uh, join my tribe. You can go to tribes.sphinx.chat. Look for Bitcoin and tribe. Join that. And then uh, you'll be in the app. You'll be able to get uh, the podcast and you can stream, stream me value. Uh, as you listen to it, it's it's old, pretty much the only way that I listen to uh, podcasts anymore, at least the podcasts that are on Sphinx.chat, which is mostly Bitcoiners, which is good. Um, I'm trying to get a couple of other podcasters to join 
join the fray, but hey, you know, it adoption. It's all about adoption, right? So um I kind of want to start today's show out before we get to the interview with a couple of uh with a couple of details. Let's get into this one. Uh we'll start here. VJ Boyapati uh wrote this tweet a couple of days ago. Uh, it says, it's widely anticipated that new U.S. regulations will be pushed through by the United States Treasury in the next week, adding restrictions to private wallet use. Every major player in the industry should firmly resist these one-off executive branch regulations. Mnuchin will be gone soon. Okay, so we knew this was this was coming, but now uh, we've got a little twist in the mix. This is an AP article uh, from, I think it was from uh, earlier this morning. Uh, this clearly occurred yesterday, I think. I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> but uh, hackers broke into the networks of the United States Treasury and Commerce Departments as part of a months-long global cyber espionage campaign revealed on Sunday, just days after the prominent cybersecurity firm FireEye said that it had been breached in an attack that industry experts said bore the hallmarks of, you guessed it, Russian tradecraft <laughs> in response to what may be a large-scale penetration of United States government agencies, the Department of Homeland Security's cybersecurity arm issued an emergency directive calling on all federal civilian agencies to scour their networks for compromises. And that may actually be what's going on this morning <clears throat> because as of 6.11 a.m. Central Standard Time, uh, YouTube and Gmail are down. And apparently earlier today, let's see, I got a tweet. Uh, somebody was responding and said, oh yeah, apparently AAD services from Microsoft were down and now it's Google and YouTube maybe, you know, and, and then says maybe something is brewing. I don't know. It may look that way unless these are the private security firms scouring their own networks as was asked by the United States agencies. So, so now that the treasury has been hacked, and we don't know what they got. Uh, they 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 say funds are safu, so I, I guess that's okay. Uh, but we you know we don't know what information they did walk away with. The question that I have is now that they are dealing with this little wrench in the monkey works, are they gonna? Is it gonna be a distraction from them deploying this uh, private wallet usage, you know, idiocy that they're you know talking about? I don't know. I hope so. I, I do. Um, I I think that, you know, at this point, I honestly believe they got better fish to fry than to worry about Bitcoin private wallets, uh, hardware wallets, and holding your own keys. Uh, nevertheless, uh, it gives us, you know, it gives us some time to get, uh, get our stuff off of uh, custodially held exchanges and or services like Swan, uh, Cash App, things like that. So, yeah, get it together. All right, <clears throat> on another note entirely, MicroStrategy has completed its offering of convertible senior notes. Uh, let's see, this is out of Tyson's Corner, Virginia, December the 11th. Uh, let's see, MicroStrategy today announced the closing of its previously announced offering of 0.75% convertible senior notes due 2025. The aggregate principal amount of the notes sold in the offering was $650 million. Now, if you remember, uh, old good old Michael Saylor uh, said uh, uh, had the announcement with four hundred million, and then he uh, let's see, oh yeah, that's right. Somebody 
at Citibank downgraded their stock to a sell, and he immediately added $150 million to that price tag. Well, now, by the time it's all said and done, the offering looks like it was oversubscribed to the tune of 655 or 650 million. So that's what 200, uh, just a quarter of a billion dollars more than was originally, you know, stated. Yeah. Just a, just a meager, just a meager, meager quarter of a billion dollars. But additionally, a hundred million aggregate principal amount of the notes are granted to the initial purchaser of the note. So I, you know, I don't know if that means that the 650 million uh, is, includes a hundred million dollars on top, or if they still have uh, the ability to purchase a hundred million dollar more on top of the 650 million. I don't know. This is just a shit ton of money. But what I find most fascinating about it is the fact that people are chasing 0.75 of a percent interest rate at the corporate level. They are running after sub 1% interest rates. Isn't that sad? Man, that's, God, my God, that's brutal. But not as brutal as this guy waking up this morning to having all of his, you know, Nexus or whatever stolen from him. Yeah, Nexus Mutual is some kind of insurance company based on Ethereum, and they state at 9.40 a.m. this morning, Hugh Karp's personal address was attacked and drained by a member of the Mutual. Only Hugh's address was affected in this targeted attack, and there is no subsequent risk to Nexus Mutual or any of its members. The initial investigation sees that a targeted personal attack on Hugh... Q is using a hardware wallet. The attacker gained remote access to his computer and modified the MetaMask extension, tricking him into signing a different transaction which transferred funds to the attacker's own address. The attacker completed KYC 11 days ago and then switched membership to a new address on Friday, December the 3rd. The mutual is not impacted. The pool of funds and all systems are safe. Our investigation is ongoing to identify the attacker and how they operated. We welcome any assistance to stop the funds, which will uh, likely move quickly. The funds are currently held here. Okay, and then they give a they give an ether scan or ether scan uh, address. Um, so how much are how much are we talking about? Oh, let's see, eight hundred or uh, eight million five hundred thousand dollars. <throat> yeah. I don't know, man. This this smells like a rug pull. It it, it, it Hugh Carp is. Uh, let's see if I go to to that Twitter uh, Twitter address. He's the founder of Nexus Mutual. Um, and uh, let's see, yeah, something about venture underscore Dow. Anyway, it looks like the founder of Nexus Mutual got all of his <clears throat> all of his Nexus taken away, and it's now being converted into uh, like s- some other cryptocurrency. I I would assume. Um, we've told you to stay away from this DeFi bullshit, okay? And this is all part of the DeFi, you know, web of deceit and lies. Stay away. I'm telling you, man, we've told you and told you and told you on time and time and time again, nothing good is going to come out of this. I honestly do believe that uh, it's possible Hugh Carp is himself the perpetrator of this particular attack so that he could look innocent 
I don't know, man. It's just, it's, I mean, I don't have to, I don't really have to speculate because I don't do this. I, I just, this is, this is why I Bitcoin. So I don't have to worry about any of this bullshit in, in either event. We're going to end this little section off with uh, Christy, or I can't, can't pronounce her name right. I think it's Christia Freeland. She's the prime minister of finance for Canada. <clears throat> and she's being asked a valid and very simple question by another member of parliament um, in, uh, of the Canadian parliament who kind of just wants to know where the money went. We are the people's representatives. Surely we should know. So where did the $180 million go? Madam Minister. Mr. Chair, I want to be very clear with all members of this committee of the importance of an independent central bank in the functioning of the Canadian economy. And I also want to be clear that right. it is undermining of our economy to be raising questions in the minds of Canadians oh, about the independence questions. of the Bank of Canada. Yes, that is not responsible behavior. I'm, well, I'm sorry to be Mr. raising I'm sorry to be raising questions about where Canadians' money is going. Um, you might find that dangerous, but I'll ask one last time. Will you tell us where the $180 million that the Bank of Canada pumped into corporate bonds went? Where did it go? Uh, in no way does the government seek to conceal or keep secret the activities of the Bank of Canada. The Bank of Canada is a highly transparent, highly responsible institution. And I have a question for the Conservative members. Do they respect the independence of the Bank of Canada as previous conservative finance ministers like the late Jim Flaherty did? I hope they do. The Canadian economy depends on it. All right. Can I answer thank the you, question, uh, Mr. You, uh, Chair? Uh, no, you, uh, Time's no, you up. can't. Sorry. Man, the vitriol in that parting shot Christia had. Wow. I mean, that just shows contempt. Utter contempt. The whole issue of asking where the money went is not is not a Canadian problem. It's like every every person on the face of the planet that has to deal with a quote unquote federal government are asking the same question: Where did all this money go? And nobody is getting any answers. But what they are getting is contempt. When you're being treated in a contemptible fashion by the people that quote unquote are your leaders, you know, watch out. Watch out, man. That's just bad news. So let, let us now transition to brighter days with a brighter Canadian. Let's talk to Ali Tahini. So Ali Tahini's, how are you doing today, my friend? Good, David. Uh, thank you for inviting me, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so me and you were talking on, on Twitter a little. We had a little bit of back and forth, and I would kind of just posited to you directly on one of your tweets about, you know, what what would it take for somebody to start using, you know, Bitcoin in the setting that you in particular are in, and you're in food services, and specifically, it's not like a um, it's not like a slow serve sit down restaurant where people are going to be there for like two or three hours. It's a little bit more fast paced than that. And I think this is be a really good kind of test of what kind of has to happen for vendor adoption of, of Bitcoin and or any second or third layer technologies that go on top of it. 
in the context of something that that's that fast paced. So, and uh, before I get into that, I kind of want to know more about tahinis. Can you tell me when did that actually start? And it did, was it just you or was it you and some family members? Can you go through that? Yeah, hundred percent. So um, we came to Canada in 2011 uh, after the Arab Spring uh, started. Uh, we were in Egypt at the time. Uh, so that same year, we all moved to Canada uh, to kind of start our careers, me and my brother and, and the rest of my family as well. And uh, that same year, we just we wanted to uh, have our own business. Uh, so we started looking for businesses to, to buy outright. And we found this uh, restaurant here in London, Ontario. Uh, that was doing pretty good. So we just bought that business as it is. And a couple years after that, we rebranded it to Tahini's. We opened a second location, then a third, uh, then a fourth. And now it's a franchise business with a franchise model that, uh, yeah, like that's about to explode to a lot of cities pretty soon. Please tell so me you're that's- Please tell me yeah. you're going to look at Texas, please. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, we've I've been getting a lot of requests to uh, to go to the states, and I've been telling people like as soon as we hit that ten store mark, we're going to be looking towards opening in the U.S. and and once we start opening two three stores, it's just going to explode after that. That so, is awesome. Uh, so- so yeah, you're at hopefully. five stores right now. Uh, yeah, we're at we're at four right now, and okay. within the next five months, we're gonna be opening like three other restaurants. So it's just it's gonna be a busy busy year. Yeah, well, those that's those are good problems to have. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna ask when when you found the restaurant that you uh, that you guys eventually bought, was it a Mediterranean cafe at all, or or was it a completely different fare? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it was. Um, it was. It was. Uh, it was also a Middle Eastern restaurant, but uh, we wanted to have our own brand and our own mark on on the industry. We. Uh, the way it was wasn't just it wasn't fit for um, the goals uh, of what we wanted to achieve as a company, and so yeah, so we just decided to rebrand, and uh, people already knew us as as a restaurant, so they came back, they they saw that we were still running it, uh, so the transition was was easy, in a way. And, uh, and yeah, now we're ready to kind of take the Tahini's name global. Now, did you guys have an interest in, in food or food service when you came over or was this literally like, that looks good. We can do that. Yeah, that's pretty much how it worked out. We, uh, (laughs) we weren't in the food industry at all. Uh, we just wanted to work to be honest with you, you know, and, and we wanted to work in a way where we're uh you know like running our own business and and this was a successful uh restaurant so we just uh jumped in and and figured out how to do everything else figured out everything after that 
Well, yeah, that that's uh, that's really interesting because as a as a food lover, like me and my wife have been, we pretty much cook every single thing that we eat in this house. It's actually not. It's a little out of the ordinary that we go out to eat. Nice. So we've developed we've developed cooking skills over the last you know, 20 years that I've, that I've known her in the 15 years that we've been married, uh, like, you know, Mediterranean, Indian food, you know, Mexican food, Northern, Northern New Mexican food, which is a completely different fare. Um, and all these, you know, all these take, like when you, like when you start getting into, you start loving food, you start really getting to where you know how to cook. And since you guys were not coming from a culinary background, how long did it take you to work? Cause like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the food that you guys are putting out. I'm watching the, the, vi- the, the videos that you guys are posting up on Twitter and every single damn time I get hungry and I'm like, okay, well, these guys are, <laughs> these guys are, cl- and I'm not, and I'm not just saying that because I've seen food that does not make me hungry. I've seen lots of food that does not make yeah. me hungry. Yeah. Yours is not one of those. And that Thank generally, sig- well, it signals to me that you guys have, a, that whoever is preparing that food has a real love for it. Since you didn't come from yeah. a culinary background, did you, f- I mean, you clearly figured out how to do, how to do something very, very well that you guys were not generally trained for. Did that just happen? I mean, did you just like, did you start really liking cooking and, and having really, really good food? Yeah, that's that's exactly how it happened, David. So, and I think I think it came from, um, you know, loving your own business because you know, like once we once we were running the restaurant, you know, we had uh, we had a big passion for for making that business like survive and thrive, right? So, and in order to do that in the restaurant industry, you really have to do two things right you have to be like make really good quality food and and be really good with customers right uh so so yeah so so that drive i think that's like the basis where where forced us into being better at cooking being better at tasting being uh better at everything you know trying to trying to be like a perfectionist in the way we do uh, like Middle Eastern food, because you know the reality is, David. Like, there's there's tons of shawarma shops all over the world, right? Right. And, well, not um, not where I'm at. Not not where I'm yeah. at, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like over over here, like in Canada, there's there's tons of them, right? Yeah. And even in Europe and and all over the Middle East, right? So so we really wanted to not be just another um shawarma shop you know we wanted to take take the middle eastern cuisine to the next level and in order to do that you have to serve you know the best food and you have to have good branding as well and you know like our goal is to kind of be like the chipotles of middle eastern food gotcha gotcha so well well, that said that kind of like it starts, we start to talk a little bit about more about the operational side, because this, since I, like I said, you know, this is not a restaurant where, you know, a family goes and sits down for three straight hours and, 
and, and does all that. So that doesn't give you guys a chance to cook on a per order basis, which means that you kind of got to move. And I'm not going to say the word, you know, the words, but move to a faster style yet it wouldn't be completely all the way to it's clearly not all the way to fast food it's not even close but still there's got to be like yeah. a whole bunch of pre-prep that goes on and then you get into lunch lines but before lunch line the the actual customer line but before yeah. i talk about that there was something you said that you're you are at and ready to move on with the franchise model uh i i'm not getting that wrong though right Yes. Okay. So, so you are at the franchise model, which brings me to the question, um, in, from what I understand, and I'm not in the business, so I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it seems to me that in a franchise business, that it, at that point, that all of the restaurants are getting the same materials, the same raw materials, meat, vegetables, and you guys are, or, or in generally, in general terms, the people that are running the franchise sort of get that all together and ship that to all the stores so that everybody is, is like the store managers aren't having to go out in their particular part of town and, and try to scare up some chicken and beef. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes, that is correct. Okay. So, na oh. so now you guys are actually acting not only as restaurateurs, but you're kind of in the shipping and uh, inventory business, correct? 100%. See, so that's another, that's another layer. We start talking about the whole Bitcoin thing that ends up being part of this, part of this mix. And that's why I wanted to make deadly sure that I knew what was kind of going on before we did that. So now let's, kind of take me through lunch. Like uh, you've got four locations that are open. Um, you guys, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that you work at one, maybe your brother oversees another one. Is that how it works? Or are y'all together? Or uh, Yeah, it used to be uh, like that, but you know, things change over time. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing, David, cause I know, I know where, where you're going with that. And uh, since, you know, since we announced that, you know, we put our reserves into Bitcoin, uh, we've been getting a ton of messages from people asking us if, if we take Bitcoin as, as payment, right? Right. And uh, the answer, the quick answer is no, we don't. Right. And I always reply to people telling them, you know, like, do not spend your Bitcoin, you know, like, you should save that instead, right? Right. And the long answer is that in order for us as a business to uh, start using Bitcoin in that way, it's very inefficient for us, right? So right. It's, it's inefficient in uh, multiple ways. So first of all, the, the accounting uh, is a nightmare. Right. So right. in order to uh, take because because like here in Canada uh, and in the U.S., uh, you have when you sell Bitcoin, you have to uh, claim that and you have to pay capital gains on on the increase. Right. Right. So if you if you integrate that to a business like ours, for example, uh, we have costs, we have labor, we have uh, 
you know, rent, electricity, all those, all those kinds of expenses, right? That we right. have to pay. So, and 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 the way Bitcoin and, and the tax laws work is that you have to, uh, you know, like calculate the difference in the capital gains for for from every Bitcoin you receive uh, until you know the point where you sell it. Right. So that becomes that alone becomes a, a, a just a nightmare in accounting and taxes, right? So right. the other thing is uh, is adoption, you know. Um, so even if we do accept Bitcoin payments, right? The majority, right. I'd say, ninety five percent of our customers don't even know what Bitcoin is at this point, you know. And even the five percent that you know that are that are Bitcoiners, you know, that come to the store, probably I'd say more than half of them don't want to spend their Bitcoin, and they'd rather spend their fiat money instead. Right. Right. Because again, you know, like they don't. Uh, they first of all, they want to save that Bitcoin because they know it's going to go up in value over time. So that creates. Uh, just in in our mind, like until until the tax the tax laws are changed, in order that you don't have to pay taxes on Bitcoin, and the adoption gets like like Bitcoin becomes really big to the point where every single person in the world knows about Bitcoin and and has Bitcoin, which I think will get there over time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, until we get to that point, you know, our view is just uh, just buy Bitcoin and hodl because uh, we're not we're so early into this. We're not even we're not even close to where that needs to be. Right. And and that's that's the reason why. Like, I mean, we're going to you know since since we're into Bitcoin and we're going to we're thinking about having like. Uh, Bitcoin ATMs at our restaurants and, and stuff like that just to uh, help spread the word. Uh, and, but yeah, like, you know, for, for, for practical business use, it's just not there yet. We know that the inf there's, there's really hard working people working on that, like Jack Mallers from, uh, from Strike. Uh, we, you know, we just listened to, uh, just listen to an episode um, with him talking about the advancements in the Lightning Network and, and all that. He's building some amazing, amazing things. And I think over time, you know, when, when, when Bitcoin is really, you know, mass adopted by everybody, uh, we could use, you know, technologies like that and companies like, you know, like Strike to, to integrate with, with our system, right? But until right. there, until then, you know, like we, we're we're just telling people, Bitcoin is the best savings technology that has ever been created. You know, we put all of our money into it, and you should too. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I guess you know, just just to make sure that if if uh, I've if I've picked up a new listener that may not be you know 
clear about Bitcoin and versus second layer technology. Let me go ahead and do it this way. I'll ask you the I'll ask you the dumbest question from some, from people about you know from somebody who knows better, and I shouldn't be asking this just for reference purposes. Full on chain Bitcoin transaction. I mean, we we've already gone through the fact that you guys aren't taking it. And it's because it's more geared towards savings at this point. But let's just say that that wasn't the case. So mm-hmm. let, let's say a full on-chain Bitcoin transaction. What's going to be the problem at your restaurant? For it's going to be the on- time. It's that time delay, right? Yeah, hundred percent. But not not just that. Like I said, like all the all the all the accounting nightmares that that come with it. Right. But I mean, it's like, like I said, if that wasn't, if like this, if that wasn't an issue with, you know, if we was doing a regular on-chain transaction, even without all the other baggage that comes along with it, we already have problems because you're talking about, exactly. well, hell, I mean, they, by the time they eat and are out the door, I'm still not sure if we've confirmed that transaction yet, which yes, is generally speaking, one of the main, not... It, de- I, it depends on what you believe, where you come from, and how excited you are about the technology. For me, it's not a pain point, but for retail, it can't happen. And exactly. it, I mean, it, and that's one of the arguments about the big blockers saying, oh, we'll just stuff more transactions into it and that'll make it faster. But that just doesn't seem to wash out very well because even that can't go to full scale. There's no way. So yeah. we start looking at second layer transactions or second layer technology, i.e. the Lightning Network, which is really fast. How, how, uh, let me just ask you, how much experience do you have using Lightning right now in various ways? So uh, to be honest, I've seen demos, but to be honest, I actually haven't used uh, Lightning yet because um, like I, I wanted to use it through Strike and Strike... Uh, is not you know available in Canada yet, right? Um, so I have, but I've seen demos on how it works. It's super fast, man. Like it's 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 insanely fast and and very efficient. And it's gonna grow into something a lot bigger than you know that than what it is right now. It's still it's still early in the lightning layer, and uh, I'm super excited about it. I think there's gonna be a big big future there. Now, let's say for, you know, just for, for uh, purposes of, of, of the argument here, again, let's n- not think about all the, the tax baggage. Let's say all that doesn't exist and, and you're, yeehaw, we can, now we can do it. And, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to have like, a, we'll have like, you can take, you know, pay in fiat or you can pay in, you know, lightning network. And all of a sudden we're already to the next stumbling block, which is essentially, you know, regulatory hurdles because Canada, mm-hmm. like if we're just looking at Jack Maller's uh, LN strike, well, you guys can't even use it, right? Exactly. It, it's not, it's not even available to you guys. So that's like, okay, well now we've got, we have an adoption problem and it's not even from the vendor side. It's not from the customer side. It's from, I can't even get the technology to work in my region side. Yeah, but even even if I do get it to work here, uh, it still wouldn't be worth it for us because, like I said, ninety nine percent of our customers don't even own Bitcoin. Yeah. So right. 
it's it's uh, it it doesn't make sense. You know, like it's not, and there's no economic incentive for us to go go on and try try to adopt it. Now, when somebody hears this and they're one of the Bitcoin haters, they'll go, "See, see, I told you, there's not going to be any adoption. There's not going to be any adoption." So, I guess this kind of brings me into what. What kind of like uh, let's let's talk about the customer a little bit because you're you're right. I mean, there's like 99 percent of the you know the people, especially God forbid, especially in the Western and developed nations of the world. When you get right down to it, other than savings to you know to make sure that our wealth is not completely inflated away, for general transactions, Visa, Mastercard work fine, debit cards. Exactly. Yeah. Work fine. Fiat cash, as crappy as it is, is still getting me the things that that we want. So we've come to this this issue where it's like, oh my God, Noriel Rubini was right, but we know that he's not right. So what what kind of hat in your mind? What has to happen here? And when when do you think you we might start seeing hallmarks of what you think has to happen? So. You know, like here's, uh, I actually don't think um, Bitcoin has to be adopted as a payments technology to be successful. I think it's already being successful right now as a use case of of store value, right? And to us, that's, in, in, in my opinion, that's a much bigger problem than than payments technology because you know like making making payments fast is is provided to us through you know like look how fast apple pay is right now you know you just double click on your phone and boom you're done right right and so so the success of 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 bitcoin in our opinion is is you know it's a savings technology you know it's not a payments technology so, you know, people, people really need to, to realize that and stop obsessing over, uh, over payments because, you know, like there, there was, you probably know this, like, you know, there was a, there's a civil war back in Bitcoin where Bitcoin uh, was forked into Bitcoin Cash for that yeah. same reason. And you can see that, you know, Bitcoin Cash, yeah, it's fast, bit, but it has no value. Right. It's because, you know, like uh, companies like Apple can provide faster payments technology to the world for for like for nothing, for pennies, you know. So the real problem is, is, you know, people's money is being inflated away. It's being debased. It's going to zero. The value of, of all the money in your bank will eventually be worth nothing right and that's (laughs) that's the real that's the big elephant in the room that that not a lot of people like to talk about because you know they'll say well like you know what can i do about it you know like they don't like to whenever we bring up inflation to the people here in our community they don't really like talk about it you know Mm -hmm. they're they just ignore it you know like they tell they tell us yeah we'll focus on what can work on you know but 
for us, Bitcoin solves that problem because it is a true, you know, free savings technology that that stores your wealth over space and time. You know, and and that's where the true value for us uh, is in Bitcoin. In the future, you know, like when when everybody in the world has Bitcoin and they want to transact in it, you know, like you'll you'll find uh, technology companies and and uh, second layer uh, second layer protocols like Lightning and uh, being built on top of Bitcoin, right? And they're going to they're going to integrate with the Bitcoin network to make to give people what they want. Right. Right. <clears throat> so the main goal right now, and the main goal that we're trying to uh, spread out to people is, you know, like buy Bitcoin, get on a Bitcoin standard. You know, like it's it, the world is changing, and it's and you know, and Bitcoin is like is a black hole that's sucking like all of the wealth of the world into it, and and the little. The little guys, you know, the medium businesses and the small size businesses can, you know, they have an opportunity to front run big institutions and big corporations into buying Bitcoin. And 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 we said that when we when we made our announcement back in August, right? We said like, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, it's, it's a game. There's a game of musical chairs being played right now, and you know, the music's gonna stop. You know, and you better you better have have some Bitcoin. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that's that's where we're at. You know, with um, with the use case for Bitcoin, it's going to be successful, and it's not gonna it's gonna have nothing to do with with payments technology and how fast uh, you know payments are settled on chain on the you know the, the Bitcoin network. So. Right. Because even if like, even if you were, even if you had a payments kiosk set up at the end of the counter and people were paying uh, in lightning at one point or another, you're going to collect up enough on that lightning node that you're going to have to settle that channel down into the, into the base chain. And I start wondering about the tax implications on not, I was about to say double spend. That's not what I meant. When, if like, let's say you, let's say you had a lightning channel because now we have Wumbo channels that can hold a whole bunch of Bitcoin and you literally might be doing sales that it might take you a couple of weeks where you get to the point where you've got to close that channel down to clear it out and open up another channel. And let's say it represents, I don't know, for like, let's say just for math purposes, let's say it's like five grand, you know, 5,000 Canadian dollars or something. And yeah. you, you settle that out, but that re- that settlement represents a week's worth of transactions. And at that point, do you have to, you know, w- would you, would it be the onus be on you to figure out when the transaction was made versus what the price was versus the date that you actually settled it in the main <laughs> chain? I mean, you see how that gets real messy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's really ugly, and God forbid. Listen, yeah. and I'm and I'm not I'm not taking a. I love all this technology, but these are the realities that 
people that are in business are going to have to look at. I, I could literally see the IRS saying, or in our case, the IRS, I don't know what it's called yeah. up there in Canada. Yeah, yeah. You, the tax authority comes to your door mm -hmm. and say, well, yeah, you, you declared, you know, you declared these payments. Uh, but we realize that these payments that or these settlements on the main chain actually represent, a, you know, a week or two weeks worth. And there was a 10% differential from the time that you started logging those, uh, you know, those payments in to when you close the channel, we need to see, we need to, for you to prove to us every single transaction, mm -hmm. the price of Bitcoin at the time. And it's like, oh my God. And then add a third layer on top of that. Yeah, it's and not these, worth it, David. <laughs> yeah, see, these these are the things that vendors, you know, vendors have to go through, and and but yeah. the same thing is true would have to be true for all the 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 crappy forks that came out of Bitcoin, saying, well, okay, you've you know you've got all like ten thousand transactions, and hurrah for you. But guess what? That's ten thousand entries into the ledger that you're going to actually have to dump on our desk. And have somebody approve that, like, you know, somebody sign off on your side that this is in fact the truth. Otherwise, there's, you know, there's maybe jail time, you know, for you guys. So nobody escapes this. So, you know, in my opinion, it seems to me that the the single largest impediment to vendor adoption may not be customer education or customer usage as much as regulatory landscape. Yeah, you know. We're, I think they're, they're not going to be quick on, on understanding Bitcoin. And, yeah. you know, Bitcoin's going to move way faster than, than the regulatory uh, laws can. So, uh, do you think it's, you know, do you think it's possible that Bitcoin could like so far outstrip the ability for authorities to be able to regulate it that they just kind of give up and figure out some other? other schema by which to, to judge this thing? Or do you think they literally try to keep this in place for years and years and years as a hedge against anybody wanting to use it? No, I, I think they're gonna, they're gonna keep, uh, keep eyes on it all, all the time because, you know, ultimately they want to collect the, like those, that tax money. Right. And, you know, because of that, they're always going to be uh, trying to, regulate and watch Bitcoin and you know and I honestly don't uh, like I would prefer a world without it but for now I think it's it's better for Bitcoin because it disincentivizes people to sell their Bitcoin because they're going to have to pay those taxes on it, right so it, it actually yep. makes the hodling stronger so the, by them you know, it's it's a, it's a funny, it's an ironic, like funny dynamic. You know, by them having those tax laws on Bitcoin, they're actually, you know, encouraging people to to not sell it, which therefore you know makes Bitcoin grow even bigger. So, um, it's pretty. Yeah, let them. You know, let them uh, regulate it. You know, we don't care. We're uh, we're not looking to to sell it anytime soon, uh, so we're uh, we're definitely in it for the long for the long long run, and right. uh, yeah, like until uh, you know until it's like I have no idea where where this thing is going to be honest, David. 
none of uh, us knew. Could, yeah, <laughs> it it could go like a hundred different ways, and uh, we think that the most prudent thing you can do right now is is just you know buy and hold Bitcoin and don't think it like treat it as treat it as your savings account or treat it as your brokerage account, you know, it's your retirement fund, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, you know, Bitcoin is that, that piggy bank, uh, that, you know, we all want in life. Yeah. So, well, I guess that the, the question that comes after that is that you, you said you, you guys made the, your announcement. Did you say August? Yeah. Okay. So, so it, so August, so we're, you know, August, yeah, we're like a few months, we're a few months past that. Have you guys settled into a situation where you clear accounts like at the end of the month and say, okay, everybody's paid light bills, paid gas bills, paid food bills, paid. And here's our, you know, here's our net. Are you finding yourselves on a month over month basis uh, still like stocking up on Bitcoin or was it? Cause I don't think it just doesn't sound like that was a one time buy. It sounds like nah, no, this is, we got a plan here. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Our plan is just to accumulate as much Bitcoin as we can uh, with our uh, treasure. So our, our, you know, the, the, the profits that we make after all, after everybody gets paid after, expenses and rent and all that you mm -hmm. know that that treasury uh is is what we convert into bitcoin you know we sweep that excess cash and and uh, we buy bitcoin with it and then we keep obviously you know we keep some cash for for the uh you know for for a few months uh yeah. kind of like a working capital uh, but our intention was to, you know, fully switch to a Bitcoin standard from the saving side of, of things. Well, so I, I figure the chances are that you you guys know other vendors in the area. And I'm wondering, without mentioning anybody's name, it, is it, do you know anybody else, any other companies that are doing this aside from, I mean, like people that you know personally, unless you know Michael Saylor and we all know what he did. So, but is there anybody yeah. around you that's doing the same thing? Have you talked to any of the other vendors saying, man, dude, you should be doing yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. So actually since, since we made our announcement, like uh, a few businesses uh, started uh, smaller businesses, you know, they started coming out with, with their announcements as well. Uh, you know, there's a company in Toronto here called Float. There's like a spa business. Uh, they've done the same thing. There's a liquor business in the U.S. Um, that also came out with the announcement and Unchained Capital did like a did a full yeah, I remember blog that on them. Yeah, so uh, we're happy that you know people are are uh, coming out with with this and and take and making those steps taking those decisions because uh that's really just gonna help help people out you know david like it's uh, uh bitcoin is like the fairest hardest money in history uh but it's not gonna give a shit about your feelings right <laughs> no it doesn't give a shit about your feelings not at all <laughs> yeah and if you're if you're the last person to buy it you know it's not gonna solve the equality problem that we have in the world right right but it's gonna solve the fairness problem 
Like it's gonna be a fair world after that. There's not gonna be any uh, bullshit like what's going on right now, where you know, like it's uh, all the wealth just gets funneled up to the top, and and uh, it's gonna make it's eventually it's gonna be a fair world. But you know, like right now, people have to realize the opportunity uh, that they have, and and they need to jump on the boat. Right. And without, you know, and it's going to sound like I'm beating a dead horse. And I, I not only do I know and know your position on the use of Bitcoin in retail um, and, and, and I respect it because it, it makes sense. I, when you're talking about retail, that you kind of living in, you know, kind of living in a different, different world and it can be hand to mouth and any kind of situation that, you, that is going to muddy the waters, you want to make sure that you don't even have that in there. But exactly. again, it's going to sound like I'm beating a, a dead horse, but I kind of want to get your, your view on coming back to the customer. You now, like, cause we were talking about that 99% of the people that are going to walk through your doors, they may have heard about it, but they don't use it and they don't own any. If it was, if it got to a situation where you're like, you know what? Okay. The, the, you know, X, Y, and Z in the world and regulations have changed to the point that I feel good about trying to take it directly for my goods and services. Would you see yourself, is it possible for a vendor at the retail level to also be a real-time educator? And what I mean by that is, let me show you how, how you can give me your money and do it in a way that doesn't jam up your lines that doesn't uh, screw up your operations. Is that even possible for the vendor to do, or would you have to depend on somebody else to do it and say, please train my customers how to, how to give me their money? Yeah, it's not, it's not practical for us to do it. You know, like we're a restaurant, you know, that's fast paced. We get really busy at, at our locations. You know, we can't, um, you know, like we can't waste time trying to, you know, tell people to download an app or, or, or do this or do that, you know, like we're, right. you know, we're waiting for the rest of the world to catch on. And when I'd say like, when, if just 30% of, of people want to, uh, want to transact in Bitcoin on second layer, uh, solutions and, you know, there's no tax implications of, of, of buying and selling Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, then I'll, I'll you know, we'll, we'll it'll, it'll be enough reason for us to, to adopt that technology and, and use it for all of our stores, right? right. Uh, for now, you know, like we think the one thing that, that we could do is, is just put a, you know, put a Bitcoin machine in, in our stores where people can buy Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so that for now, I think that helps with educating, you know, cause they, they're not, you know, they're not going to do that while they're standing online, you know, they're just going to do that with they're hanging out or, or, or anything like that. Uh, so, right. so we think that is, is going to help. Uh, but yeah, like there's, there's a long way to go before, before this can be adopted as, as, you know, uh, massive scale because, you know, we're, we're not, and I, I don't I, I think that's true also for for a lot of businesses they're not gonna try to push people to pay in Bitcoin and and they're definitely not gonna try to pay employees in Bitcoin as well right um, right because 
that's like telling you know my employees right now, can I pay you with like Apple stock? It doesn't make any <laughs> sense, right? Right? They don't they don't want Apple stock. They want cash, right? Right. So so we have to you know we have to know our battles, um, and and try to try to get give a net positive to the Bitcoin community and and to the Bitcoin network itself. Uh, because like, you know, we're, that's another thing too, uh, David, we're really grateful for the Bitcoin community, how nice they are, uh, how like, you know, since we came out with the announcement, you know, we've seen nothing but love from this community, uh, whether it's you or everybody else in the community, like we, uh, we have this like feeling that we want to give back, you know, and, right. and, and we'll, tr- we've been trying to give that through, uh, education and trying to post like long threads that you know explain Bitcoin and talk about Bitcoin and 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 all that. So so yeah, man. Like we're just gonna keep doing our thing and and hopefully the rest of the world will catch on. Yeah, I I agree. I can totally agree with you know your the way that you're you're facilitating that because it, it again it makes sense from especially in a fast paced retail environment, you know, how on earth would you affect, you know, education, which means that the onus is, is put back again on the educators in the space saying, you know, if we want, if we want this to happen, then we've got to figure out a way to turn enough people to where they themselves are going into the stores and starting to ask, can I pay in Bitcoin? And, you know, you get it, you get enough, I, I would imagine that if you got enough customers, you know, you can read the landscape because you know, your you know, your customers, you see them every single day and then you get more and more people, you know, that, that you've served over the last two years saying, Hey, can I pay in Bitcoin? That that's going to be the, one of the effects that you take into account other than regulatory and, and tax tax stuff that would make you go, okay, okay, fine. Now I feel good enough about doing it, but you can't do that on your own. So it ends up being a back in our lap to figure out a way to, you know, to come up with, you know, tricks, tips, you know, fast education, you know, tutorials, like, you know, people like Jimmy Song and Matt O'Dell and Marty Bent, all those guys that, that yeah. are devoting themselves to a lot of education. It comes back yeah. to us saying, if you want to see me do this, then you've got to help me have a reason for me to do this. Yeah. And and I think it's like you guys are doing obviously like really good, good job at, at you know, educating. But, you know, what's what's really going to change the narrative is is what Bitcoin actually does. You know, like, you know, if. As the Bitcoin, as the price of Bitcoin rises, you know, it's just going to attract more and more people into this and it's going to attract more people and wanting to buy it and hold it. And then the, the, the mass adoption will, will, will do the work basically like for, for, for the Bitcoin network, right? It's, uh, the price is what's going to, eventually leads you know lead bitcoin to be global money which you know we as bitcoiners we we all see that as 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 a as just an inevitability but the rest of the world thinks we're crazy right <laughs> yeah. you know like you know if i want if i 
like I do say this to people. I stopped saying this to people right now because it kind of scares them away. But, uh, you know, like as this becomes a reality, you know, then I think it's a good uh, time to start talking about, you know, um, the Bitcoin economy and the velocity of, of you know, Bitcoin that's you know just being moved around on on Lightning and and all the all those wonderful things that are that are happening right now. It's good that you know the the, the technology is being built right now because you know like uh, I actually you know when I first uh, saw the Lightning you know network and and all the all the wonderful things that's being built on there, I was like, man, like what's the point? There's not really uh, a point of like it's just a savings technology well why are people mm-hmm. building this but then i realized like you know eventually this thing will get so big that you know you'll you'll need to you'll need these technologies to to use bitcoin as global money right but that's that's you know really far away and right. The fact that they're being built right now is a huge positive, and I do get it now. Uh, and uh, yeah, like it's 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 very exciting. No, but you bring up a really good point, and it's something that I've been thinking thinking of for quite a while now. Is that you know if I'm looking at just you know lightning, you know the lightning paper drops a little over two years ago. You got Elizabeth Stark and roast beef over there at Lightning Labs. And they have, you know, you know, them and, and uh, you know, a couple other guys start really working hard on, you know, second layer stuff. And I was going, this is great. But then I had to step back and say, but, you know, if nobody's, you know, there seems to be no, at the very first, there was no adoption. And then I had to step back away from that and go, well, yeah, it's brand new. It's, it's not even beta. Yeah. And yeah. it's like alpha at the time. And now it's it's not even out of beta. And yet we see, and then we started seeing more and more people jump in. Jack Maller started jumping in and all these other people start jumping in. And what you just said makes a lot of sense. If it's a savings technology right now, and we got a situation where vendors are like, dude, the the tax regulations are killing me. I'm not going to touch it. And I'm also, I ain't got time to teach my people that want to give me their money, how to give me their money this way. So I'm not going to do that. And there's a couple of things that I cannot do because that's not the world that I live in. What the hell are you people doing? And I come to the conclusion of this. There's something about Bitcoin that is making people do things that they wouldn't normally do. It's like they have to do it. Something is screaming in their ears saying, you need to build this. I can see Jack sitting around saying, but... I'm not getting a whole lot of usage. And then like, it's like a, a, a face slap to the brain says, shut up. You need to do yeah. this anyway. Do you see that too? Or Yeah, I see it now. Like I said, David, I, at first I didn't see it, but now I see it because like, and now I think like those people are, are kind of like, you know, they're visionaries um, because, you know, it's eventually going to get to that point where, where, it's going to go from zero to like a hundred and then mm-hmm. the whole world wants to transact in Bitcoin. And then, you know, like everything is just going to be made a lot easier and we need that. We need that technology and then that infrastructure built right now so that when it does happen, like these companies, in my opinion, are going to explode and, and 
Uh, and know, everything's and in place. Yeah, exactly. You know, everything's it's like, in place. Yeah, it's plug and play at that point. It's like, oh, well, shit, this this has been working for five years. Remember you were laughing at us for building it? You remember that? Yeah, well, now it's yeah. ready to go. And so, you know, let's let's rock on. And this, you know, again, it, it, it just gets me thinking about the way that I've been thinking about a lot of the people that, that I've met in this space and about that drive that it's it's almost, I you know, and a lot of people there's a lot of people that talk about the, the, the silliness of the cultish way that we, that we, you know, carry ourselves. And some people have dared call it, you guys are acting like it's a religion. And I'm like, well, money has been part of the, you know, human experience for probably as long as religion has been part of the human experience. And I'm not exactly sure why this would, how this is such a terrible thing. I'm like, you called it a religion is that supposed to make me stop doing what I'm doing? Is that, is that supposed to make me feel like, Oh, you've just wasted the last, you know, five years of your life giving a crap about this stuff. Why don't you go get, you know, go get a job as a plumber. And the the reality is I can't live in Normieville anymore. I can't do it because it does none of what I came out of makes any more sense to me. And the more that yeah. I look at this and, the, and especially the more I look at these people who are just killing themselves to get out one more piece of tech and not only just to roll it out, but to roll out something that's really slick, yeah. finely, finely tuned, very well honed. It's, and it's a beautiful piece of tech. It's not just something you slap together because that's what everybody else is doing. There's something, there's something different about this. And that's one of the things that makes me feel good about going forward, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I actually love how, you know, protective the, the community is of, of Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, we, we get it, man. Like this is, this is such a beautiful invention that, you know, gets like people with, uh, copycat, you know, projects that that are, you know, not nearly, you know, as as close or will ever be close to Bitcoin. Will try to jump on that and hijack the Bitcoin name and and try to use it or or take advantage of it. And you know, if it wasn't for those zealots that will, you know, uh, you know, stand up to these people. Uh, you know, a lot of people will will be misled. So, yeah. uh, you know, we we love that um, about the community. You know, like we we were fortunate to never uh, to only like from day one only be only ever be in Bitcoin and, and nothing else. Um, yeah. But that's a big thanks to you know the community that's passionate about Bitcoin and and helped us learn about it, right? And that's yeah. why we didn't go down that route. But, you know, we talked to a lot of people from the, the 2017 class and, and before that, um, they've got into, they've gotten into, you know, shit coins as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's because there was not enough education back then, you know, on it or, or I don't know, whatever the reason is like they got, you know, they got pulled into these things and, and some lost money, some made money, but like, you know, it, really doesn't matter because you know the it's 
you know, Bitcoin is the only, uh, like, it's the only thing that has a chance to be global money, and nothing else has that chance. So, so therefore, everything else is just distraction. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Because man. everything else can be uh, coerced, or, or it's it's centralized in a way. They 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 come up with every single shitcoin will, will slap the world decentralized on on their their whatever, right? And then they'll say, and uh, you know, people will be fooled by by it being set, decentralized where it's not. Like yeah. Bitcoin is the only true decentralized pro- protocol out there right yep that's what i put on a I, like when i whenever I, I publish the podcast there's a place where i can put a a message that like if a podcast player will scroll a message and, and pick up that scroll tag if you're listening to to my podcast basically the only i i, I now only have one scrolling thing and it says only bitcoin matters because honestly, <laughs> yeah. only, at this point, only Bitcoin matters. But I want to make sure because we're we're about to come up on an hour, and you got things to do, and I got to go, you know, pick up my wife, and uh, so I want to take the rest of this time to talk just about tahini, <laughs> the Tahini's restaurant. Um, Thank you. I w- I want to go back to like you said, you guys got here in two thousand and eleven. Yeah, so um, yeah, we uh, we got here. We we were part of the 2011 Egyptian Revolution. Uh, we got to witness that and be a part of it and participate in it, and it was it was a great, beautiful thing for Egypt. Um, but it it never, <clears throat> you know, it was a it was sort of like a illusion on on what it was yeah uh so yeah we we came here and and, uh you know egypt basically went to crap after that yeah Um, so you picked up but you picked up the tahini's restaurant in the same year or was it a couple years later uh it was so yeah like it was 2012 is when we bought the rest the beginning of 2012 Man, y'all work fast, dude. That's impressive. So yeah. here, here we are. We're we're eight years later, and you're four stores in. Okay. So my question is, is like you know, for somebody who you know wants to, or I guess is I guess the question is, how long did it take from having your first restaurant, the way that you you know you you shaped it out, you got it you got it looking the way you want it to look, you got it working the way you want it to work. How long did it take you to be able to, to build up enough cash to get the second one? Uh, so not a, not a lot. Like it took us, um, I'd say, so, so the thing is that you can, you can easily, um, grow, like you, you can use leverage and you can use mortgages to open a second and a third location, right? right. Uh, so the amount of principle that you need uh, is is not that much. You just need a good good relationship with your banker, right? And, uh, and through that, you can you know you can access debt 
and yeah, but and you open. still got to know that you can service the debt once you open up the second store. Otherwise, it's like oh oh. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, we we did that. You know, like uh, we opened the second lo- location. I, I believe it was four years after uh, after the first one, um, and then the, the third one came in uh, a couple years after that. You know, and and then now we're just opening it faster and faster. Yeah, see, that's what that's what I was looking at is that we've got, you know, four years and, you know, four years between the second store and then two years between the third store and almost like maybe it's coming down to almost one year. To one the point year. That you could be. Yeah. You might be able to open, start opening stores every six months and then every three months after that, because this looks like a this looks like a progression type function where it's like once you've got the base. then you know you build it it takes time to build that second one but then it's like you start can start adding properties really really quick as long as long as you've got you know like if oh how hard is it to pick a to pick a location that isn't going to just you know toast your ass and i'm talking about just traffic not even yeah not even rent you know not even rent consideration the location is one aspect of it, but you know it all comes down to the formula of of how we run uh, how we run the restaurants and how we open the restaurants, right? Like that is what took a lot a long time to build for us. You know, building uh, building the operations manual and and how to and every single step on on how to open a restaurant from from day one till opening day, you know, and, and training the employees and building courses for them and, and perfecting the food ourselves and, you know, like adding, uh, you know, like integrating with online platforms and the website and, and all of that stuff is, is the stuff that took time and also building the, 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 the warehouse. Cause we had to build, uh, we had to build a commissary, like a warehouse where right. we make all of our base food and uh-huh. like, you know, like our chicken spices and, um, and, you know, all of our sauces are made there, you know, and they're, they're sent directly to, uh, the restaurants. Right. Right. So yeah, the majority of, of the past eight years has, has been to, you know, build those systems and build those uh, procedures. Um, and now it's just, uh, executing, you know, now it's just finding the franchisees, um, finding location and start building, you know, and, and we have everything, uh, standardized where like, it's like a, it's like a list of things, you know, that we have to do before, uh, before we open and, and, and yeah, it's just, you know, go, go, go now. Man, Ali, that's just, that's a wonderful story. And I could ask you like another hundred questions on <laughs> where you learned to do this and what books you're reading to, to, to get better at this. And, but sadly, Ali, we're both out of time. Like I said, I know you got shit to do. I got to go do some stuff. So we're going to go ahead and leave it here. But, uh, this is your shill fest part of the interview. Uh, you know, any announcements that you need to make, anything you need to shill or, and especially how to get a hold of you, this is your time. 
Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on, David. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I always take any uh, chance I get to talk Bitcoin. I am very passionate about it. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, you know, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at the Real Tahinis. Uh, our DMs are open, so you can DM us there. And other than that, get on get on a Bitcoin standard. I think I'm just going to leave it right there. Well, there it is. You know, it probably didn't talk about uh, or, or, you know, probably wasn't what you were expecting. But you got to remember, these are the guys that are on the front lines in anything that even remotely approaches uh, a circu- the circular economy that we would like to see happen. Uh, those, are, those are all valid concerns. Okay, there's nothing invalid about what Ali was saying. <clears throat> and he brought up some really good points. You know, the, the, the part about the tax man just by itself is, you know, that, that's sort of like, that's not even regular. I mean, it's regulatory, but it's not like they had to, you know, enact it to stop Bitcoin. These are the things that have already been in place that cause these kinds of problems. The fact that, you know, the tax reporting on all this is, is a nightmare. And it is. It's an absolute nightmare. We have no guidance from the IRS. We have zero guidance from, you know, it, well, actually, we have zero guidance, <clears throat> which is fine. That's sort of the way that I kind of, that I, I, it's not that I want it that way. It's just that I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that we don't have guidance. These guys have no idea what they're doing. And now that the treasury has been hacked, um, you know, <laughs> they got better, they got better fish to fry, like I said. So I don't know. Um, I kind of don't know how fast, you know, adoption is going to be. The, the hyper-Bitcoinization that we talk about, um, I don't think it's going to happen all that fast. I hope I'm wrong, though. I really do, because, I, you know, when, when I buy something with the, you know, via LN Strike or, you know, any like Blue Wallet or any of the other Lightning Network wallets that I have, I actually have fun. You know, I mean, I'm I'm still trying to, you know, save money, but man, I mean, I go out into the world and, and, you know, when I have to spend fiat, it just, I'm like, uh, there's just nothing to this. You know, I wrote that whole thing about money telling us stories and it, it hasn't told us stories well since Bitcoin. When Bitcoin, you know, occurred, money started talking to us again. And I, it's a fascinating conversation to, to have when you're talking to money. When you're, when you're listening to the stories that your money is telling you, uh, all kinds of neat stuff happens. Like you remember purchases. Like I remember, I remember purchasing the Citadel 21 uh, magazine when they uh, first started coming out with their uh, physical copies. I remember that morning, you know, because their servers burnt down in a blazing, you know, blazing glory. It was, it was absolutely glorious it's but it was the whole thing was a story you know i was i pressed the button and nothing happened and all of a sudden about like you know a minute later they came out with a tweet that said our our servers are all our server is down we're going to spin up some more and they had to spin up four servers to handle the load that's a story i go out to you know a pack a sack or something like that up here in the panhandle of texas and buy a coke 
I don't remember that transaction. There's nothing special about it. I'm just saying I want to see it happen, but the people that are on the front lines have valid concerns, right? So listen to those concerns and think about how do you, how do you, how do you alleviate those concerns? Because, you know, it's going to take all of us to be able to push this stuff forward. It can't just be one guy, right? It can't just be me. It can't be Ali. It's got to be you, me, and Ali, all right? It's got to be all of us together working on this problem. What can we do to alleviate those concerns? That said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.